If you have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture that continues to remain a depth of the riches and knowledge of God that we are not yet familiar with, but that the Holy Spirit greatly desires to reveal to that category of saints that hunger and thirst for his uh, revelations of his word and that on their list of priorities is above everything else. Matthew 5:45 and 48, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called, Called to Perfection. <coughs> Specifically, the calling of a person, of God, is to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. And for this, as we know, it is necessary to cast off our old person, be renewed by the spirit of your mind, and put on the new person. Only then will we be able to represent the perfection of our Heavenly Father that will demonstrate itself in light, demonstrating His light. That is, we will become carriers of His evangelism. This promised commandment is the inheritance of the saints of all generations, and this commandment of Christ is addressed specifically to his students, to those people that are clothed into students of the Lord. Therefore, people who do not acknowledge the power of the person sent by God over themselves have no part to the inheritance of this commandment and most likely will never be able to have it. Relevant to fulfilling this required commandment, we stop to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a man, specifically the goals that the righteousness of God abiding within our heart is called to pursue. If, of course, it is there in our heart, and in part we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant where we die by the law for the law to live for the one that died and resurrected, and by doing so receive confirmation of our salvation in new tablets of the covenant in the format of the law of the spirit of life so that we provide God a basis to give us the promise to be heirs of peace not by the past law, but by the righteousness of faith like he gave it to Abraham and his seed. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, Romans 4.13. We note that the righteousness of faith is determined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God which is presented in the preached word of God sent and the person who is a father from God to us. The faith of God is information that comes from hearing the word of God, the preached word of God, preached by his delegated ones. But not all have believed our report, Isaiah writes. Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? But not all have believed our report because faith is information that comes from the preached word of God. It's not something that we read, but we hear. Faith does not come from reading the word of God. It comes from hearing it with your heart. Therefore, the promise of peace is given only to those men that are obedient to the order of God in accordance to which he sends us his words by the mouth of his delegated ones. If every person 
uh, was able to have faith or have his faith grow by reading, then we would not need not need church and we would not have a, a person delegated from God then this would not have been a church, this would not have been a body of Christ. In the body of Christ, there's an order or structure, and in that, we are able to receive his word, and it's only within his body, and hear it from the person who is a carrier of God's revelations. Therefore, the covenant of peace within the heart of man is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God. Our faith is obedience to the information that comes from the preached word. That is the faith of God. Faith is from hearing the word of God. It is by the means of the righteousness of faith, the covenant of peace presented in the inheritance of peace is called to abide and be within the heart of man, evidence of the fact that we are children of God. Therefore, the inheritance of peace abiding within the covenant of peace is the treasury of our hope in God, containing the bond of all of the promises of God. And the achievement of these is the goal of the given to us righteousness. Only the righteous is able to inherit these promises. It is righteousness by the means of the peace of God contained in the covenant of peace that can and is called to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Because where our heart will be, where our treasury or treasure will be, our heart will be, and what kind of thoughts a person has is who he is. And so if our thoughts are in Jesus Christ, then we will be as Jesus Christ. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. With thanksgiving means that we already know that what we're asking for is already upon our account in Jesus Christ, and we thank Him that we already have it. And we say, Lord, may it be taken from our account and, and become a reality for us. We know we have it. And this is when the Holy Spirit puts this into your heart as a revelation. Daughter or son, you can take this right now. Sometimes people say, I take this by faith. I ask him, what faith? It's something you desire. It's your emotions. It's not faith. Faith is a, a revelation that comes, out, uh, comes from hearing the word of God. This is very important to understand. And then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, 7. The peace of God that is able to guard our minds in Christ Jesus is the mind that is renewed by the spirit of our mind, which is the mind of Christ in our spirit. Because to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. If a person meditates about the things of the world, how to become rich, how to use places of scripture, worldly wealth is perishable wealth, and if you meditate about this, then what will happen? Death. People avoid these places of scripture that uh, if you strive for materialistic wealth, worldly wealth, and it's in your mind, then there will be a result. For to be carnally minded is death, it says, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, Romans 8, 6 through 8. And so all those services that are oriented upon materialistic prosperity, using places of scripture uh, that do not even apply to this, uh, they cannot please God, they are... Uh, men of the flesh, they're carnal men, and they will be, they will perish, and all those who follow them will also perish. Those that are oriented upon such services 
uh, and called these so-called, in quotes, generals of God, like Kenneth Copeland, one of these so-called generals that are supported also by dollar and others, all oriented upon materialistic prosperity. He already uh, has left uh, the Pentecostal faith and has become a Catholic. And he preaches materialistic prosperity and so forth. And if you see, these services are mega churches. These are millionaires. And this is what the scriptures say. If you meditate about the things of the world, uh, uh, perishable wealth, worldly wealth, if that's what you meditate about, then you're preparing death. According to the given place, we conclude that people that refuse the condition where the truth of the preached word and the power of the Holy Spirit renews their mind by the spirit of their mind have no part to the peace of God and are not able to have it. And consequently, such people have no part and cannot have any part to the sons of peace. They are not sons of peace, who by the means of the peace of God would inherit eternal salvation in the kingdom of heaven. But if they're not sons of peace, then they're not sons of God. Because blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called sons of God. We need to apprehend well that only collaborating our spirit with our renewed mind that is within Jesus Christ, we are called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ. Relevant to this, we stop to look at the fourth, con uh, fourth question. By what signs do we examine ourselves that we are the sons of peace as well as the sons of God? Because it is only by the rule of the peace of God within our heart that we are able to examine ourselves as to whether we are truly the sons of God. As it is written, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Matthew 5, 9. And this is a surprising peace that no losses in this world or uh, any uh, gains will be able to affect it. If you take everything from this person and even then take his life, you still will not break the peace that's in the heart. You will ch take everything, but the peace that's in the heart you will not be able to take. You will not be able to take it. That the new person is uh, founded upon. You can kill the body, uh, and the but you can't uh, kill the part of the soul that's connected to the spirit, only the one connected to the body. And so if a person has not died for his nation, for the house of his father, and for his fleshly life, then his justification that he received in salvation by faith in Christ Jesus, in the format of a guarantee, this justification will never turn into the quality and format of righteousness, where he would receive the ability to be clothed into the inheritance of the peace of God in order to bear within his righteousness the fruits of peace, which is why the crown of righteousness of such people will be, will be taken from them, giving them the right to the promise of peace where they would be able to be called sons of God. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. Revelations 3.11 A crown is the fruits of righteousness. We need to remember that the promise of the peace of God obtains its power and its legitimacy within our heart only by the righteousness of our faith and the covenant of peace, which portions responsibility upon both sides of the covenant, where each side then is responsible to fulfill their role that is implemented by God in the written word of the covenant of peace. 
the covenant of peace is the covenant of, of peacefulness. And if one of the sides breaks the agreement that was made in the covenant of peace between God and man, and we note that only the one that can do this is man, the violator or the one who breaks it is man, then the other participant of this covenant, being God, is then free or becomes free from the responsibility of fulfilling his part of the agreement that is made in the covenant of peace. The fruit of righteousness is identified within our heart as the peace of God, and this is evidence that we are sons of peace, and this serves as a legitimate basis for God to fulfill his part of the covenant for us. That is in the covenant of peace, and this promise is consisted in leading us into the inheritance of his son, so that we can share with him the achievement of all that is written about him. Because justification that we have received by right of our birth from the seed of the word of truth has changed into the quality and format of righteousness where we receive the ability to bear fruits of peace within our relationship with God and with those around us. Hebrews 12.14 Pursue peace with all people in holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And so peace without holiness is not peace, and holiness without peace is not holiness. We note that we are talking about such a unique and unearthly peace that is to be done by God only within the boundaries of holiness or be an expression and demonstration of holiness, whose boundaries are the commandments of God containing the righteousness of God. If it is possible as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Romans 12.18 The same apostle writes, uh, pursue peace and holiness with all men, but if it's possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably, which indicates the fact that it's not possible to have peace with all men. Therefore, peace that we dare to or have the audacity to demonstrate using the ideas of our own mind out of the boundaries of holiness and not as a demonstration of holiness will be incriminated to us as a heavy form of lawlessness for which we will then be paying a price of eternal life. Because our fellowship or communication with people that the scriptures ascribe to corrupt company will perverse our corrupt habits or perverse uh, or corrupt our good habits and transform us into their wicked image. Do not be deceived, evil company corrupts good habits, awake to righteousness and do not sin. For some do not have the knowledge of God, I speak this to your shame. If you were doing such things, you were uh, with this evil company and they corrupted your good habits, you can still repent and change that. 1 Corinthians 15, 33-34 Therefore it is, it is impossible and criminal to have peace with the wicked and the lawless that support the wicked who in their time had received the truth and afterwards abandoned their church and turned away from the given to them holy commandments. The very fact of their rebellion and their hatred of the words given by the delegated people of God that are placed over them testifies of the fact that the they have lost the peace that's in their heart and they are now a part of the category of the wicked. And so if they were not rebellious, they would not have left their church. They, of course, back all of this up, all of this up with other things. As one said, we have a new way of understanding about the gospel. And I said, why? What happened? Upon what basis? We have a new revelation about the gospel and what it is. <clears throat> yes, this new gospel and this new gospel, if if it's a new gospel, why'd you lose peace? I asked him. 
and they went directly into uh, a life of sin. But the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Isaiah 57, 20 through 21. Sometimes they call peace uh, the liberty they feel after they've left the church. This is a liberty they feel from righteousness. They can finally sin and their conscience doesn't judge them because they bring in other uh, other things into their conscience and it doesn't judge them. There we were slaves, there was dictatorship there as if uh, where they went is there's no dictatorship. Uh, here there is righteousness there there is sin as it is uh, freedom or liberty doesn't exist independently uh, there is a freedom to be a slave of sin or a slave of righteousness there's no other choice because the Heavenly Father himself is a slave or servant of his word that comes out of his mouth the Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, are also servants of the Word of God that comes out of the mouth of the Heavenly Father. And the word servant is one of the greatest ranks in heaven. To be a servant uh, of the Word that comes out of the mouth of God, this is to be a servant of righteousness. The Heavenly Father is a servant of righteousness, and He voluntarily put Himself to be. He's a servant of his own word. But people do not want to be servants. Uh, they say we want to be free. You Free from what? From this, uh, ser- being slaves of righteousness? Being servants or slaves of sin? What will you inherit? What will you achieve? Being a servant of righteousness, uh, we are blessed that we are servants of righteousness. It's peace and satisfaction. But for people that are lawless, that have not cleansed their conscience from dead works, for them, of course, it, they, it's, they're not able to bear it and are not able to tolerate it. In a specific format, we already looked at six signs by which we need to determine and examine ourselves that we are the sons of peace as well as the sons of God and have been studying the seventh sign. And this is our ability to clothe our essence into the holy and selective love of God. And so when it's selective, that means it's holy. Uh, when people just talk about holy, uh, they they consider it's everybody. When God loves with a holy love, a holy love is a selective love. God loves only what is holy, righteous, and pure, and hates what is, what is unrighteous and impure and wicked. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful, Colossians 3, 14, 15. The peace of God can only be in the body of Christ. You are called to peace that is within the body of Jesus Christ, which is his church. We've noted that according to this place of scripture, the reign of the peace of God within our heart is only possible upon one condition, and that is if the selective love of God will abide within our heart, and if we will be clothed into the selective love of God. 
And it'll, of course, it needs to happen in the body of Christ. Since in the selective love of God, which is the atmosphere of the peace of God, we see concealed the good, wonderful, eternal, and uncomprehending for the human mind, goals and works of God called to build a unique and peaceful relationship between God and His children, and it is exclusively with His children. Christ loved His church and gave her himself for her. He did not love the world. He loved his church and gave himself for her, washing her with pure waters by the word, so that she be holding without blemish before him in love. And God loved everyone that is a believer in this world so that they have eternal life. The inaccurate uh, translation of the first part and so when there is a translation, first it's from Greek to Latin, then in our situation it was Latin to Russian, uh, and so... And so depending on how you say it, uh, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and then they contradict what they just translated uh, that everyone who believes in him how is it he loves the whole world if only the ones who believe in him will not perish and so what kind of love of God can is this if it can't save the whole world if you love the whole world uh, and they say God loves everyone that's how they conclude God loves everyone I say it's interesting uh, to see such a a couple, God calls himself a spouse, and I would like to have seen where a wife would tell a husband, you know, I love all men, but you're also included in that. So you don't need to be jealous when I will be bringing other men uh, home, and you will go another bedroom, and I will be with another man because I love all men. Or he'll say I to his wife, I love all women. He'll say, well, I don't want to be a wife of such a man who loves all women. I want him to love me, the, the, the only one. And God loves, <clears throat> also wants us to love him like that, the only one, that no one be in the way, nothing distract, that we love him so much that we deny our nation, the house of our father, and our own personal life. Love with the price of our life, that nothing else or anything else remain but him. But people that say these things, they don't understand what they're doing. They don't understand and don't understand, but when they hear the truth and still don't want to understand, then this is a problem. This is already resistance of the truth. You can not understand and you can resist. There's two different things here. When a person doesn't understand, he has a chance to repent. But when they hear the truth and resist the truth, then there's no repentance after that if they're have become haters of it. Comprehending the selective love of God is called to fill us with the fullness of the peace of God or make us perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. The selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture in seven unchanging virtues by the preached word of the apostles and prophets. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love, 2 Peter 1, 2 through 8. Here we see the goodness of God in the seven 
uh, components we just listed that we are to demonstrate in our faith. Each of the seven qualities of the fruit of virtue contain the characteristics of the rest of the qualities. They flow one from the other, complete one the other, strengthen one the other, and confirm the truthful nature of one the other. Second, these qualities are called to be the moral perfection within our heart and an example inherent to the essence of God. Third, the given qualities are the great and precious promises entrusted to us in Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ. The given qualities are the imperishable treasure and unsearchable wealth of Christ with which we need to become rich. This is a wealth, imperishable, pure, that God has prepared for us and it can be opened up in the last times by faith for those who, who are to be saved. And God has already begun to reveal this wealth by faith because the last time has come. When Apostle Peter was writing that this is for the last times that will be revealed, this ladder of Peter, it will be revealed in these last times by faith. And by faith is by information, uh, the hearing of the word of God. In order to receive the inheritance of these qualities, it is necessary for us to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Receiving the Holy Spirit into our heart is the Lord and Master of our life. And this is possible only when our heart will be cleansed from dead works and within it uh, you bring in the law. That is the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ. Uh, the Holy Spirit can come only where the law of God is already present, God's given law. Sixth, the means that we are to use for receiving the power of the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life is the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. By inheriting these great and precious promises, we become a part of God's divine nature. Since virtue in the selective love of God demonstrated in the seven unchanging qualities and characteristics have nothing in common with and cannot have anything in common with the nature of human love that is filled with egoism, is greedy, and is just temporary. Specifically, the fruits of the selective love of God containing the format of the seven unchanging qualities listed previously, this fruit is called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ within our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ or into our new person. The element of virtue in the selective love of God has no comparison to the tolerant love of man. Since the quality of the selective love of God are eternally existing qualities, these qualities are the qualities of our Heavenly Father and His all-consuming holiness and all that comes from God because God is love. Or more, ac or more accurately, He is a holy love separated from all that man calls love. It's not a blind love, but it sees all things. And such an inaccessible, for our mind, transcendent love of God is identified in Scripture as the bond of all perfection, which indicates the fact that the selective love of God is placed by God first over the rest of His perfections, identified as His goodness. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, Colossians 3.14. The love of God is the foundation and atmosphere of the moral and immovable law, opening within our heart the essence of God and the essence of the heavenly kingdom. And this is not all. The love of God agape is a sovereign love, which is unconditional. When it comes to the people, it chooses in its abilities to foreknow and predestine 
Because of his sovereignty, the selective love of God never violates the sovereign rights of those people she selects and ever allows her own sovereign rights within her boundaries to be violated, these boundaries identified as his burning holiness. In a specific format, these seven characteristics that together identify within our heart the goodness of God in the perfection of a selective love, we have already looked at six qualities and therefore will immediately turn our attention to the seventh. This is demonstrating the love of God agape in brotherly kindness. In scripture, the love of God agape as the virtue of God coming from brotherly kindness is contrary to evil that comes from hatred of the fallen angels and men that are within the power of these fallen spirits. Therefore, in the Holy Scriptures, the degree of the power of the selective love of God, which comes from brotherly kindness and reveals itself in brotherly kindness, is determined and exclusively is known by the degree of the power of the hatred of God toward evil in evildoers. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Hebrews 1.9. So it turns out that the unearthly joy of within a man is love for righteousness and hate, hatred for lawlessness. These two together identify your joy of the heart. Considering that evil demonstrating itself in a man in hatred that comes from the jealousy and arrogance of a man and good that demonstrates itself in a man in love that comes from brotherly kindness are programs. Therefore, to love righteousness and hate lawlessness is only possible in its carriers, which are their programmable systems. As it is written, the Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates. And so, when we're talking about fire, the fire of lusts, uh, we need to begin to proclaim the non-existent as existent and thank God that we have died for sin and uh, although he is going to be screaming and shouting at you and telling you that you have not died, I am still here, go and look at pornography, go and uh, feed me uh, because I'm still here. Don't uh, proclaim this not existent as existent. Uh, and so people that you may have known before that have fallen away from God, you need to be careful not to communicate with them because they are different than they are. They you are different than you used to be when you did communicate with them. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire, and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous, he loves righteousness, his countenance beholds the upright. Psalm 11, 5-7. The Lord, this is how he speaks to those who are wicked. A wicked person is one who used to be righteous and then has decided there's a different gospel that he has the right to understand the way he pleases. I have my own mind, I have my own opinion, and as soon as a person makes a conclusion that he has his own opinion, then there is no way to change that. He has himself, has condemned himself, that he calls salvation, and he follows that, thinking he's going to be saved, because as soon as he makes this kind of decision, what does God do? May they not 
see with their eyes, may they not hear with their ears, and may they not understand with their heart, and may they not turn back to me so that I heal them. They are very uh, free. And so they pretty much on a slide are sliding downward uh, and rejoicing uh, while that's happening. This is just like some uh, on stage go uh, walk, run back and forth as a monkey and behave in uh, very odd ways. They, uh, they run back and forth, run back and forth, and they think that this is being filled with the Holy Spirit, this is liberty, this is freedom. Uh, I often say, imagine Christ when uh, thousands of people were gathering that he would stand up and begin to shout and scream and run around and prove uh, to them, oh, I'm going to reveal, I will reveal something to you, prepare yourself, prepare yourself. Imagine the freedom. And so then he, he sits down, and so then he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so in when Jesus spoke these words, that blessed are the poor in spirit, he had the potential of the Heavenly Father, and he was calm. He, he, sit, he, he sat down and he preached calmly. Uh, he didn't need to form an illusion to make himself more weightier before others or you need to just sit down calmly as Jesus did and speak the words uh, with dignity and honor relevant to this as in the previous elements the virtue of God in his unique for us goodness which we are called to demonstrate in our faith in seven elements we need to answer four classical questions first what do the scriptures say about the genesis and natural essence of the fruit of virtue that reveals itself in the heart of man in the love of God agape that comes from brotherly kindness which we are called to demonstrate in our faith Second, what purpose <clears throat> does the fruit of virtue have demonstrated in our faith in the love of God agape that comes from brotherly kindness? What conditions do we need to fulfill in order to demonstrate the fruit of virtue in the love of God agape in your faith coming from brotherly kindness? And by what signs do we examine ourselves that we are demonstrating the fruit of virtue in the love of God agape that comes from brotherly kindness? Answering the first question, we came to the conclusion that the love of God has, be has been poured out into our heart by the Holy Spirit who was given to us, Romans 5.5. 5. Relevant to this, we've noted three elements that are called to participate in the pour out of the love of God into our heart. First, <clears throat> the love of God can po be poured out into our heart if our heart will be cleansed from dead works, which makes our heart capable and open to receive the love of God. Second element, the love of God can be poured out into our heart if our heart will be open to receive the Holy Spirit in the status of the Lord and Master of our life. Third element, the love of God can be poured out into our heart, not in the form of feelings, but in the preached to us words of grace. The word that are then turned into confessions of the faith of of the faith of God that are called to lead our feelings so we can demonstrate the love of God as a good rider leads his horse with bits. You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Psalm 45, 2. According to the three above listed elements, we conclude that the heart of carnal men 
that in all churches make up the majority are not able to be a place <clears throat> for the pour out of the love of God that comes from the atmosphere of brotherly kindness. In Hebrew, the word grace is linked to inheritance and comes from the words to provide for, to take care of, and prepare for. The scriptures <clears throat> don't present the word grace as something abstract, but this is the law of grace that has uh, a strictness that is uh, stronger or greater than that of the law of Moses, which indicates that God, by the means of his grace, which is based upon the greatness of the new covenant that is made with a new person, has provided for, taken care of, and prepared for man the inheritance in the form of a full measure of salvation or an absolute salvation, from which we conclude that a heart that does not have the seal of righteousness, that identifies the mutual bond of the covenant between God and man, the love of God that demonstrates itself in the law of grace, does not have its legit field. <clears throat> Which is why the power of the love of God agape that is contained in the law of grace is poured out into our heart by the Holy Spirit. It obtains its legitimacy and its legal power within our heart within the boundaries of these elements. First, in a mutual covenant with God that is made in the baptisms, water, Holy Spirit, and fire, where we collaborate with the truth of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit, we cleanse our conscience from dead works, and by the means of the confessions of the faith of our heart, have submerged ourselves into the death of Christ. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Mark 16.16. Second, the power of the love of, of God contained in the law of grace contains its legal status and its power when we eat of the communion of the Lord, where the new covenant receives its power and its effectiveness, when we uh, worthily eat of it. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Luke 22, 20. Third, to make a covenant with God according to the conditions of the law of grace is not something a person can do where he wants to, how he wants to, or when he wants to, but only when he finds a good wife, whose husband is known as the at the gate. And God allows a person to find such a wife when he uh, this person is hungry and seeks such a wife, such a church. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord, Proverbs 18.22. Here it's talking about the, church, the, the wife, the bride of the Lamb, the chosen by God remnant, or that house of prayer where the elementary teaching of Jesus Christ is preached, and where the calling is to adopt the body by the redemption of Christ, to become perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Therefore, to understand inside of ourselves the natural essence of the love of God that comes from brotherly kindness, it is necessary for us to remember what and who God loves and what and who God hates. In a specific format, we already studied seven components of who and what God loves and stopped to study who and what God hates. I will remind us that first the selective love of God flowing from the virtue of God within the atmosphere of which the peace of God reigns within the boundaries of, the bro of brotherly kindness hates the planting of any trees near the altar and placing of pillars near the altar. You shall not plant for yourself any tree as a wooden image near the altar which you build for yourself to the Lord your God. You shall not set up a sacred pillar when the Lord your God 
which the Lord your God hates. Deuteronomy 16, 21-22. Second, the selective love of God flowing from the virtue of God within the atmosphere of which the peace of God reigns within the boundaries of brotherly kindness in its original form, hates those who hate the Lord. Third, the selective love of God flowing from the virtue of God within the atmosphere of which the peace of God reigns within the boundaries of brotherly kindness, hates a person that sacrifices to the Lord a bull or a sheep which has blemish or defect. You shall not sacrifice to the Lord your God a bull or sheep which has any blemish or defect, for that is an abomination to the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 17, 1. <coughs> We know that an offering is our prayer. In Hebrew, abomination is a disgusting, vile, and obnoxious lawlessness defined as rebellion and an uprise against God. Therefore, an offering to God that has blemish, identified as an abomination, will bring about God's hatred toward this person offering the sacrifice, where a person forsakes the holiness and truth of God and rises up against God. In Scripture, an offering is a prayer. The altar that, sac that sanctifies the offering are the motives of the heart, the goals that the heart has. We are familiar already with the truth that the kind of heart a person has is also the kind of offering he will have or prayer he will have. A defiled prayer is a prayer that is not in accordance to the demands of worship in spirit and in truth, because such a prayer comes from the unclean conscience of man, where he presents his will as the will of God and his thoughts as the revelations of the Holy Spirit. Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble, I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. But to, to the wicked, God says, What right have you to declare my statutes or take my covenant in your mouth, seeing you hate instruction and cast my words behind you? When you saw a thief, you consented with him and have not and you have partaken with adulterers because people conclude that God loves everyone you give your mouth to evil and your tongue frames deceit you sit and speak against your brother and slander your own mother's son these things you have done and I kept silent you thought that I was altogether like you but I will rebuke you and set them in order before your eyes now consider this you who forget God lest I tear you in pieces and there be none to deliver whoever offers praise glorifies me and to him who orders his conduct aright I will show the salvation of God Psalm 50 13 through 23 looking at the above red place uh, wrath of God that is addressed to sinners we conclude that God hates those unfortunate worshipers that hate his instruction that is spoken by the delegated of God to bring to God an offering of praise is to present your body a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God for our reasonable service. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12, 1 and 2. If you paid attention, in order to know the will of God, the good, acceptable, and perfect will, we first need to present our body a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, for our reasonable service. Specifically presenting your body upon the altar of offering as a living sacrifice wholly and acceptable to God, we will receive the legitimate and rightful ability to get to know God, His, ex his good, acceptable, and His perfect will.
However, presenting your body a living sacrifice, we need to pay attention to one fact, to how holy and acceptable to God our offering is, or is our altar of offering sanctified in accordance to the demands of the truth or not? Because specifically, a sanctified altar that is in accordance to the established by God requirements, representing a cleansed conscience with the brought into it elementary teaching of Christ, is called to sanctify the living sacrifice. Make the sacrifice holy. And though I bestow all my goods and feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have no love, it profits me nothing. 1 Corinthians 13.3 You can do all these things and without love for the sake of personal fame or other reasons. To present your body a burnt offering but not having in yourself the love of God agape is moving your ear away from listening to the law or resist the preached word of God that is spoken by his delegated ones. One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination, Proverbs 28, 9. To move your ear away or turn your ear away from listening to the law spoken by God's delegated ones is to walk the way of the wicked who hates correction as he desires to take the place of the one that God has put. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. The wicked are those that bring offerings. These are not people of the world. But the prayer of the upright is his delight. The way of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but he who loves him who follows righteousness. Harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way, and he who hates correction will die. Proverbs 15, 8 through 10. According to the given thundering words, a person that attempts to worship God out of spirit and truth is condemned to destruction, and we need to distance ourselves from such worshipers. We together carry complete responsibility for our choice in who we communicate with, those that God hates because of the form of their worship to, to Him, where they resist God and present their will as God's will, and their thoughts as the revelation of the Holy Spirit, illegally proclaiming the promises that do not belong to them. <clears throat> David said, I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever. To the very end, I hate the double-minded, but I love your law. Psalm 119, 112, 113. The double-mindedness of man is their own point of view, the wicked and the lawless men, when it comes to the faith teaching of Christ, with which they justified their rebellion and their disagreement, to the revelations of those delegated by God who preach the essence of the elementary teaching of Christ. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination, how much more than when he brings it with wicked intent. Proverbs 21:27. Wicked in this situation is a special form of hypocrisy containing a, an evil plan that has a plot and evil intent, where a wicked person speaks about the love he has for the delegated of God, but in his heart is jealous of him and hates him, ascribing his blemishes to the person of God and ascribing the revelations and moral outlook of God's person to himself. Such wickedness is described as a shameful work, vileness, and perversion that in time will receive its just reward. Fourth, the selective love of God flowing from the virtue of God within the atmosphere of which the peace of God reigns within the boundaries of brotherly kindness hates a person with diverse weights and dishonest scales. Do not say, I will recommend Compense evil, wait for the Lord, and he will save you. Diverse weights are an abomination to the Lord, and dishonest scales are not good. Proverbs 20, 22-23 When a person attempts to <clears throat> avenge himself for evil, 
that has been done, he will have then these dishonest scales and diverse weights because only God can judge, allow uh, the Lord to judge or give wrath to God's, uh, give place for to God's wrath. Before we begin to study the given proverb, we need to immediately note that first, this relates to our relationship with one another within the church of saints and not with the world. <clears throat> and if you paid attention, in this proverb, diverse weights and dishonest scales in some way are interlinked with an inadequate wrath of man that is trying to pay back or avenge himself against his offender for the evil done against him personally or against his neighbor. The wrath of man is a completely normal feeling of any sober person who stands guard of his sovereign rights for the reason that he is reacting to the certain injustice or what appears to be an injustice when it comes to himself or his neighbor. As it is, this feeling within a person who has a controlling spirit can be so strong <clears throat> that it deprives him of adequacy and reason. At the same time, a person whose self-values oppressed by one with a controlling spirit, this person feels uh, the feeling of wrath can be fairly weak or be completely non-existent. In other words, the wrath of a sober person is a measuring tool in his conscience, which determines the measure of good and evil and accordingly reacts to what appears to him as the evil of another man, as well as a true evil of a man that is forcing himself into the boundaries of your responsibility. In the studied by us proverb, this measuring tool that is present in the conscience of a sober person is demonstrated as diverse weights and dishonor scales. The phrase do not say, I will recompense evil, wait for the Lord and he will save you, indicates the fact that the wrath of man is not able to keep him from evil. If a person will not give place to God's wrath, that in turn is able to keep him from evil. Look at with what perfection and with what virtuosity David reacts to the evil that comes from Saul. He gives place to God's wrath that is able to protect him from the wrath of Saul. Let the Lord judge between you and me and let the Lord avenge me on you, but my hand will not be against you. As the proverb of the ancients say, wickedness proceeds from the wicked, but my hand shall not be against you. 1 Samuel 24, 12, 13. And here is what Apostle James says about the unique tool that is able to withhold its wrath. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. James 1, 19 through 21. According, according to the given instruction, the tool of God that withholds wrath and gives place to God's wrath is the ability to receive the implanted word able to save our souls from wrath that is trying to deal uh, with our wrath that is trying to deal with evil. The ability to receive the implanted word consists in the fruit of gentleness of our spirit, identifying its unique strength, able to break the firmness of any bone. You will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you, Isaiah 26, 3. By long forbearance, a ruler is persuaded, and a gentle tongue breaks a bone, Proverbs 25, 15. 
conclude that a person that learns gentleness from Christ by the implanted word possesses leveled weights and honest scales in his conscience, presenting the wrath of God that is placed in dependence of the mind of Christ. Dishonest scales are an abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Proverbs 11.1 1. A person that with diverse weights and dishonest scales is a person that has a conscience that is not cleansed from dead works, that is within the power of his own wrath, that is being provoked by his jealousy of the person that is a carrier of the wrath of God. Specifically, the heart that is not cleansed from dead works are these dishonest scales and di and diverse weights, which are an abomination before God and is something God hates. Who can say, I have made my heart clean, I am pure from my sin. Diverse weights and diverse measures, they are both alike, an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 20, 9 and 10. <clears throat> If a person has not cleansed his conscience from dead works by the way of rejecting his nation, the house of his father, and his life in the flesh, and by it, the implanted word has not brought into his heart the greatness of the elementary teaching of Christ, this person is not ready and not able to receive the anointing of a king, a priest, and a prophet over his calling. His calling is adopting his body by the redemption of Christ or erecting within his body the stronghold of life. Only being an anointed king that controls his anger with bits as a good rider controls his horse, we will be able to have honest scales and leveled weights. <clears throat> Divination is on the lips of the king. His mouth must not transgress in judgment. Honest weights and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are his work. It is an abomination for a king to commit wickedness, for a throne is established by righteousness. Righteous lips are the delight of a king, and they love him who speaks what is right. Proverbs 16.10-13 Apostle Paul instructing the church said that a person that is able to control his wrath deprives the evil of any or deprives the devil of any opportunity to enter into his essence by the means of some kind of evil and lawless thought. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your wrath nor give place to the devil. Ephesians 4.26.27 In the given situation, it's referring to such a nature of anger that demonstrates itself in offensiveness that ruins the peace between man and God. A person that possesses a gentle heart which demonstrates itself in a restrained mouth before the setting of the sun will allow the wrath of God to protect him from the existing feeling of offense by confessing the faith of God that abides within his heart. David, being a king, priest, and prophet, instructed the saints in the way they have <clears throat> they do not sin during the presence of the wrath inside because of an evil that has been done to calm themselves and give place to God's wrath. Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifice of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Psalm 4, 4 and 5. To offer the sacrifice of righteousness and to put your trust in the Lord means confess the righteousness of God demonstrated in the justice of God upon the wicked and lawless men pouring out their anger on the saints for the righteous way of life. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves but rather give place to wrath for for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Romans 12:19. <clears throat> Giving place to God's wrath is to confess God's judgments that are written in Scripture upon the offender. 
Summing up this component, we conclude that if we will hate within ourselves dishonest scales and diverse weights, which is the old person with his deeds, and also will, will distance ourselves from a relationship with men that legalize dishonest scales and legalize diverse weights, we in this way will demonstrate within our faith the holiness of God, which will demonstrate itself in hatred toward the carriers of dishonest scales and diverse weights. We right now will pray and all those who desire to resist their old person, these diverse scales, dishonest weights. This means to resist the offenses that may be still lingering in your heart. And by making a decision with your mind and your will, using your will, make a decision to forgive, give place to God's wrath, when we forgive the one that's offended us, this doesn't mean that God has yet forgiven him. When we forgive the one that's offended us, this gives our offender time that he repent. And if he doesn't, God says, I will judge between sheep and sheep. And the one that is uh, fattened, I will uh, eliminate. And so a gentle one, a sheep, she has its own nature. It is gentle, it is, it restrains its mouth and gives place to God's wrath. As David did, may the Lord judge between you and me. If someone is bound by sin, whatever sin it may be, if someone is in fear and in shame that pursues him, do not be afraid of shame before God. The confession of sin is a bold act and in heaven uh, it is greatly honored and the heavens rejoice. Come to the altar, confess your sins before God. He will cleanse you from your sins. He will restore you and you will be able to take part in this communion so that it not condemn you, that it not judge you, that it heal you instead and heal your bodies. Amen. Let us pray and may the Lord bless us. Amen.
I'm going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is on your side. He is for you and He is not against you. Whatever your sins may be, He loves you. He sees you as righteous. He sees that sin has led you astray, but you hate sin and you can't yourself be free of it. He can do this. He can perform this miracle for you. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. This is a sign that your hands are without wrath or doubt. Pray together with me, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you with my pain, with a broken heart, with my shame, with my dependence from sin that I hate. I hate my corrupt desires. I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse me, deliver me from this destruction that I hate and this corruption I can't be free from. I love you. I love your word. I love your church. I love your nation. May your mercy be over me. And may you demonstrate your glory in my heart. And may, according to your word, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May the blessings of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be on you. May these blessings be on you and your children and be fulfilled upon you. And the nation shall say, Amen. Always has the greatness and presence of God. That is where God abides. He has shown to his prophet a great wind that comes from the Lord that breaks the rocks and the cliffs. And he said, I am not there. The Lord is not in the wind. He showed the fire. He, sho he showed the water also. I am not in the wind. I am not in the water. And then, a, and then he felt a breeze on his face and he says, I am here. In silence, a person can meditate. But when there's noise, you can't meditate. It doesn't allow the heart to submerge into the great godly quiet. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 32. Here we're going to talk, read here about this great quiet that where God would heal a person and make a covenant with a person in quiet. <coughs> For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. 
do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and not his neighbor, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, he eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For we, if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. And when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. In order to participate in this great mystery, every person needed to have received Jesus as their personal Savior into their heart and have confirmed this with baptism of water. It is also necessary that the heart be free from offenses, free from secret sins. You have the opportunity to repent, to condemn these sins, to confess them. And so people that are not maybe under a warning or, or and no, do not have offenses in their heart can take part in this great communion and this great quiet. Let us stand and we will pray for the bread. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for this bread, for the privilege we have in this bread. You, this is your broken body. When this bread will be passing by your people and we will take and eat of it, may your blessing be upon us and may there be healing in our bodies in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for it and we worship before you, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And it is written, he took, he broke it, gave it to him and said, take it, this is my body broken for you. And so every road that is approached, please stand, and each one break their own bread. I will remind us that when you uh, participate in communion, please don't uh, put lotion on your hands during this time uh, or wash your hands before you take part in the communion because you will be breaking your bread and then uh, the cream might be uh, uh, interrupting or get on the bread somehow. So we ask that during communion, please keep this in mind. Prepare yourself so that your hands be clean. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes.
For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Isaiah chapter 53. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the Lord, uh, the arm of the Lord been revealed? If a person believes what is spoken by God's person, then to him the arm of the Lord is revealed. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness, and when we saw him, there has there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and he did not esteem him. That is how his delegated ones will be. They will be in the same kind of position, acquainted with grief, because the uh, thought of men is that a person of God is supposed to especially be in appearance in some way, but it is going to be similar to that of Christ. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. <clears throat> and the delegated of God also carry responsibility for the people that listen to them. <clears throat> Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. We talked about this. There's a big difference between the cross of the Lord and our cross. If upon the cross Jesus suffered, dying, and was separated with his Father, then our cross is the opposite. It brings us closer to Christ. What Christ loses, we obtain, collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ. That's the difference. If he lost the Heavenly Father, we obtained him. If he was uh, afflicted, the Lord helps us understand these things. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquities of us all. I will ask everyone to stand and we will pray for the cup of the covenant. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the new cup of the covenant poured out for the forgiveness of sins when it will be passing by your people and we will take of it and drink of it. May we be blessed before your face and with your healing and may your energy enter us, the energy and life. Thank you for this privilege and for taking part in this service. Our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. That road that is approached, please stand. Serve each other as you did as uh, with the bread. And we will remember that the cup is Christ, one for all generations, for all. For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes.
For as often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. <coughs> Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. And so the wicked that previously were holy, but then left their service, the lawless are the ones that support the wicked. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, does not support this counsel of the ungodly. They distance themselves from them, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. He avoids communication with these people and does not sit in the seat of the scornful where there's a lot of uh, noise uh, you will th this will be the seat of the scornful but his light is his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law when you meditate about something every one of us need to find a place that's quiet and not just quiet and that no one be around you and also we close our eyes if we meditated when I want to meditate and submerge myself into the word I lay down I close my eyes and I begin to meditate and then nothing is in my way and I can receive something although sometimes I receive it uh, closing my eyes not going anywhere but sometimes we create for ourselves such an atmosphere so we can do that such a person that delights in the law of the Lord he will be as a tree planted by the rivers of water his law he, in his law he meditates day and night it says he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water like the five <coughs> virgins who went and purchased the the oil he uh, they asked Jesus to open the door and Jesus says I don't know you and so those the first five brought in their time and were ready for the groom but the second five left to purchase and could not be joined to this category as they were late. The ungodly are not so. They are not able to bear fruit. They are like the chaff which, is, which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. If anyone that may have been accidentally passed by, if no, I will ask everyone to stand. And before we proclaim our unchanging manifestation, I want to call out Angela she would like to restore her uh, membership here for specific reasons that she was not at fault for she was not able to attend but for a certain amount of time she's attending again and wants to restore her membership I will ask everyone to stretch out the right hand and let's thank God that she has kept herself for the kingdom of heaven and that she understands that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this holy person. We bless her with your name, and we accept this person as a member of this body, 
part of your army. May she be a blessing for us and we a blessing for her. We thank you for her. And may your mercy be over her now and forever. Amen. You may take your seats. And we together will proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.